Welcome to Dealcast, the weekly M&A podcast presented to you by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. I'm Juliana Needham, a journalist who's been covering M&A for a decade. In this episode, we're talking about consolidation in the US pet care market. I'm joined by Dane Hamilton, healthcare editor for Accurus. Hi, Dane. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for having me. So in in recent years, we've seen lots of growth in the US veterinary space, including pet hospital providers, vet practices and pet supplies businesses. What's the outlook for this market and how are players positioning themselves to compete in that space? Basically, the market for companion animals with dogs, cats, whatever, has grown dramatically in recent years, particularly with covid More people rely on their pets for companionship because they may be shut in or social distancing. So according to industry figures, uh, some 70% of U.S. hospitals own at least one pet, up from uh, 56% in 1988. So that's a big big growth. And pet expenditures have also gained as a result uh, for obvious reasons. So according to the American Pet Products Association, which is the key uh, trade group, pet owners spend $104 billion in 2020 on their pets, up from $90 billion in 2018. And that includes $42 billion on pet food, $31 billion on pet vet care and products. So it's a big market. And obviously, we're talking about companion animals here, mainly dogs and cats. So, the, so it's a big market, and that's why we've seen a lot of growth in these vet practices. And I will will fit firmly into those statistics. We had a cat that died two years ago, and we got a dog about uh, six months later during the one of the many lockdowns we've had in the UK. But it seems that just about everybody I know got a dog over the past twelve to eighteen months. So it's obviously a big and, and growing market. I think that's a trend that's been, you know, it's reflected in the UK, the US, and probably in many other countries as well. Yeah. And it's also, I mean, every one of those dogs and cats at some point is going to need veterinarian care, uh, either for vaccines or for sickness. And, and so, so, it's, so we're talking in, in the US, there's something like 100,000 vets to serve uh, whatever it is for the number of dogs. I think it's 76 million, I saw somewhere, of dogs alone. So that's, that's a huge number of animals for a relatively small number of providers of medical care for these, uh, for these animals. So it's a big market. And so how is that prompting the vet practices to become larger? It's a, it's a very interesting question. I mean, in, the, in recent years, we've seen a lot uh, of, of just overall medical practices in general of all kinds of stripes have been merging. Uh, in the U.S. in particular, because it's a private market, um, so they merge to create costs uh, and efficiencies of scale to reduce costs and become more efficient. We've seen it in dental practices, primary specialty doctor groups, oncology, nephrology, physical therapy. All these groups are merging, and private equity has taken a strong interest in this space because of the steady cash flow and the ability to leverage and the ability to do M&A through, uh, through uh, bolt-on acquisitions. 
And the basic, so, so they've been merging into these groups called veterinary practice management groups or medical practice management groups. And the basic concept is that the larger group will take over the admin, uh, the administrative work, billing, insurance, patient interaction, like uh, appointment scheduling, uh, IT and other services so that medical professionals, doctors, dentists, or whoever can focus on their job. So just in answer to your question, the administrative burden and complexity of medical practices, including veterinarian practices, have been has grown exponentially uh, in recent years. So, so there's a major benefit to these groups to merge with larger players. So that's what's driving a lot of the uh, consolidation in this space. Talking specifically about veterinarian groups, um, you know, the cost of the, the admin burden for doctors, including vets, has grown, has grown dramatically. A lot more people have pet insurance. They have to bill for it. The complexity of pet, uh, pet insurance, uh, and, and pet treatment has dramatically increased. Um, I don't know about the UK, but in the US, there's a growth of, at hospitals that uh, conduct major surgeries on your animal. They do cancer treatment. They do joint replacement. They do all the kinds of things that you know, they do for humans, but now for dogs. And so, so it's become larger of a business than it used to be when, you know, say in the 30, 40 years ago, when you graduated from vet school and you hung out a shingle and you were, you know, got, got paid, uh, vet, uh, animals to be treated, but it wasn't as complex. A lot of times if you couldn't treat your animal, you just put them down. Some interesting trends there that people are, are prepared to spend so much money on their pets and keeping them alive. Yeah. And it's also affluence. I mean, the, we have a much more affluent society than we ever did. And people can afford to spend money on their pets. And, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, it's like we, uh, we spoil our kids, you know, for, for, uh, to get them pets, you know, you know, I know from personal experience, my kids are always asking for pets and, uh, you know, we try to give in a little bit, but, uh, you know, that's a whole nother story. <laughs> so can we turn our attention to looking at deals in the space that kind of a- exemplify this trend? What kind of deals are you seeing? What kind of multiples are they achieving? Okay. So obviously, you know, with the huge number of pets in the country, companion animals, uh, limited supply of highly trained vets, schools can only turn out a certain number of vets each year. You have high multiples uh, for the premier practices. And we're talking about practices that have already consolidated. It's still a very fragmented industry. There's still a lot of small vet practices. But increasingly, just like in the medical practice space, we're seeing them them merge into larger, uh, larger groups. So the biggest deal this year so far in the U.S., was a, a company called Amerivet Veterinary pra- Partners, which is sold to AEA investors, a giant private equity firm, and the Abu Dhabi Investment Authority of the Sovereign Wealth Fund for $1.6 billion. Um, so that, that, had, that company has around $60 million of EBITDA 
So that equates to roughly almost 27, uh, 27 times EBITDA multiple, which is by any standards a big multiple. I mean, it's a big company. It operates 139 vet practices in 21 states with 2,200 employees. But those kind of multiples, and we're talking, you know, for typical doc practices, we're talking mid-teens multiples. So for those kind of multiples, you know, it's putting, it's, for, it's prompting a lot of companies to consider sale processes. So processes on the block uh, that we've written about uh, in recent months include Encore Vet, which has a bunch of hospital uh, veterinary hospitals owned by North Castle, around 50 million of EBITDA. They are exploring a sale, we've reported in recent months. And then you have CareVet. It's uh, owned by Compass Group. Um, it's on the block through Lincoln International, around 50 million of EBITDA. Rare breed veterinary practices owned by Halley Capital. They were on the block with Lincoln as of last October. I'm not sure where that process is at. Uh, Mission Veterinary, veterinary Partners. I mean, there's just a lot of, uh, there's also a number we, we can't talk about because we haven't gotten them fully sourced, but but there's there's a lot of a lot of assets on the block uh, because once again high multiples cause people to sell their businesses much faster, just like uh, just like supply and demand kind of thing. So that's so so, and there's been a number of uh, a number of ones that have been completed, which I could talk about if you're interested. Yeah, if you could just touch on those, that would be great. So a private equity firm called L. Catternan, Catterton bought Alliance Animal Health from Light Bay Capital. That was uh, advised by Harris Williams, EBITDA of 20 to 25 to 30 million. Veterinarian Practice Partners sold by Audax, I mean, sold to Audax. Sage, they just go, the list just goes on and on. And a lot of the same banks, because they develop an expertise in this kind of space, uh, will will represent uh, represent the sellers and buyers the, I think the top names in the, in the business are Harris Williams, uh, Jeffries, Lincoln International. These are banks that 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 work a lot in the middle market. Middle market defined as anything under two billion, usually in asset valuation. Although they can go much larger. So so it's it's really an interesting it's really an interesting space. And there's a lot of consolidation more to do because once again it's a fragmented space. Yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like it's a very fragmented market with loads of individual players that are, are, are being kind of slowly subsumed by by the groups, which are then seeing further consolidation by kind of merging or taking over with with other groups. Yeah, because a lot of doctors just don't, a lot of medical people just don't want to deal with the admin part of, part of it. And the admin part has just gotten exponentially more challenging. And what's the ultimate outcome for these con- consolidations? Do you anticipate there being IPOs? Yes, I do. I mean, once they get, once these groups get to be very large, you know, over a billion, there's a limited pool of larger private equity firms that are going to buy them. So, so then they start looking for other options, such as IPOs. For instance, this, this company called National Veterinary Associ- Associates major chain of vet hospitals uh, with over 1,100 facilities. 
in, in not only the U.S., but also Canada, Australia, New Zealand, has been speculated as an IPO candidate. They merged last year with this company called Sage Veterinary uh, Centers, which was owned by Chicago Pacific last year, making it even larger. So so they ha- they have the kind of size uh, metrics for, for being a public company. The other option... Uh, which they'll probably explore is being sold to a strategic. The comparison that's often made is United Health, giant insurance company, has been buying up doctor groups uh, left and right, really large doctor groups uh, for for oftentimes over a billion dollars, which they don't even announce because they're not even it's not even material to the business. So that's kind of a as an insurer. Buying a doctor group becomes like a, a kind of advancement of their business strategy. The same thing could happen to veterinary groups. They could be sold to uh, veterinarian uh, products makers or or uh, strategics that deal with a lot of uh, animal uh, animal health. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. But but you know, there's only a limited number of options once you get to be uh, very large. And so that's uh, it's going to be interesting to watch. And with the IPOs, is there a lot of appetite from investors kind of keen to get in on the trend? Well, I definitely think so, because if you're a public company, you can use your public currency, your your shares to buy uh, more businesses. And so so as they become public, they can grow even more. I think they become with high multiples. That they're attracting, I think they've become even more attractive to to investors. So yeah, definitely. Great, Stain. Thanks very much. Okay. Well, thank you. That was Dane Hamilton, healthcare editor for Accurus. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Dealcast, presented by Merger Market and SS&C Intralinks. Please rate, review, and follow the podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or look out for your Merger Market news alert. For more information, check out our show notes. Join us next week for another episode.